0: You are listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Living Jewishly Podcast. All right, my dear friends, welcome back to a Living Jewishly Podcast. We have a special segment. We're going to be doing the introduction to what kashering entails. What is the background to kashering? What's its source in the Torah? And some of the details. We're not getting into all the laws of specifics but just a general overview of what is koshering. So we know that any single item that we cook in, the walls of the pot or pan absorb the flavor of the food. So if it's non-kosher and you want to make it kosher, you're going to have to kosher it. If it's meat and you want to make it dairy, you're going to have to kosher it. You're going to have to sort of neutralize it to bring it back to its neutral state, of no flavor mixed into the walls of it. Now, there are certain limitations to that. For example, earthenware. An earthenware vessel can never remove its flavor. So if you make a brand new earthenware vessel and you cook in it uh, your chicken or meat, guess what? It absorbs the meat and it it never releases the flavor from it, from its walls, and therefore can never change its status. However, there are other dishes, pots and pans, that can be changed. And I want to read, with, read from the introduction to the laws of koshering utensils. When a utensil is used for cooking non-kosher food or chametz, the flavor of that food is absorbed into its walls. When other food is subsequently cooked in the utensil, the flavor of the non-kosher food or the chametz food is emitted from the walls of the utensil and can become absorbed in the food, causing it to become prohibited. Therefore, in order to permit such utensils to be used for kosher or for Passover foods, the absorbed prohibited flavor must first be removed. This halacha is derived from the verses in Numbers, chapter 31 verse 22 and 23 in which alazar the cohen instructs the soldiers returning from the war with midyan on the procedure of kashering various utensils found among the spoils of war <speaking in Hebrew> Only the gold and the silver, the copper, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that comes into the fire, you shall pass through the fire and it will be purified. So here the Torah explicitly tells us that there is a process to koshering something that was once non-kosher. The purification process is based on the principle of kibolo kach polto the same manner in which it absorbs is the same way in which it expels. So if, for example, you have chicken soup that is absorbed into the vessel walls at a temperature of 190 degrees, you take it out with water at 190 degrees. Means the same way it got absorbed, it gets expelled. Therefore, The purification requirement of each utensil or vessel is based on the manner in which the forbidden flavor was absorbed. For example, a utensil that was used to be heated on the fire, a primary vessel, must be koshered in such a utensil, while a utensil upon which the hot liquid was poured may be koshered by pouring hot water onto it. So for example, if you have a soup pot, The soup pot needs to be koshered in another vessel that it can be absorbed in. But if you have, let's say, a knife and a fork that uh, something was splashed on it, something non-kosher was splashed on it, you can splash hot water on it and that takes it out. So the same way in which it was taken in is the same way it gets taken out. It also works by temperature. It also works by method. Now, there are different Ways in which you can do this: There's irui, there's libun. Irui is when you pour hot water on something. There's libun is when you make it. Libun comes from the word white. When you are able to uh, broil it or get it to a point where it is so hot, for example, you can use a blowtorch. That's one way you can kosher things. So, for for example, if you have grates from a barbecue, you want to use your barbecue grill on Pesach, but you had non-kosher for Passover meat or non-kosher meat, God forbid, on that grill. How do you kosher it? So the first thing you need to do is to completely clean it that it is like brand new. But now they're still absorbed in its walls. They're still absorbed the flavor. How do you get that out? Take a blowtorch and you blowtorch it to the point where it is steaming hot, where it almost like white, a white hot. And at that point, expels any flavor that may have been in there. So this simon discusses the laws of purging utensils that were used for chametz in order to permit them for use on Pesach. It should be noted that although ha'agalah, purging with boiling water, may be performed when halachically appropriate, nevertheless, due to various considerations, including the difficulty of performing ha'agalah which you need to be very, very careful, the limitations of its effectiveness of certain types of utensils, as well as the availability of utensil- utensils at a reasonable price today. Today, we can; it's not that expensive to buy new silverware. It's not that expensive. It's you know, $100 and you have yourself a beautiful new set of dishes. Uh, $100 or $200, dollars—not maybe not the fanciest, maybe not the nicest, but you can go to Costco, you can go any any of these great, Stores and you can buy a new set. So because of that, nowadays, typically, all Jewish households keep separate sets of Pesach utensils stored away for the entire year and rely on Hagala or Libun, again, two different types, either the hot water or the burning hot fire, like making it into a coal, uh, primarily for items such as sinks, stoves, and ovens that can't really be replaced every year as well as other items that are impractical or expensive to replace for Pesach. So a couple of examples of things that you might want to do haagalah for is uh, your silverware. So you have your your kos, your cup, that's used for Kiddush throughout the entire year. Because it's on your non-kosher for Passover table, the custom of the Jewish people is that because it was used with non-kosher for Passover items, if you want to use them on your Pesach Seder, you got to do... You have to soak it in steaming hot water. Uh, So that's something which is very practical for someone to do. You boil up a soup pot of water till the water is boiling. You drop the utensils in there. Again, be very, very careful. I I want to reemphasize, if I haven't emphasized it enough earlier, we need to be very, very careful with hot water. Fire is hot and it can burn and it can hurt you very badly. I personally experienced this a number of years ago where I was koshering my countertops and I was boiling up the water and in the process of taking it from the fire and pouring it on the counter, I slipped and the whole pot of hot water went on my hand and it was not pretty, it was not fun, and it was really, really not pleasurable. It was very painful so I urge each and every one of you listeners out there if you're planning to do Hagala or Libon or any type of kashering, please, 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 be very, very careful in doing this. I don't want you to get hurt it's uh it's not a great joy for Pesach to come in with a uh with all the bandages on your hand like I experienced. It's very, very painful and it's dangerous as well. so sinks. Particularly sinks that are, uh, today, they're all stainless steel, mostly stainless steel. They need to be koshered. they were used for non-kosher for Passover. You're going to use them on Pesach, and therefore, we kosher those. The countertops, not kosher for Passover throughout the year. That's fine. Comes Pesach time. There is a number of ways you can do it, by the way. It does not need to be with hot water. You can do it with Libun. What's Libun? We said Make steaming it up to a very, very hot point. So there are a couple of things you can do. Number one is you can take an iron. You can wet the surface of the counter. You can take an iron, a steaming hot iron, and you iron the countertop and feel it to make sure, oh, it's really hot, right? It's really, uh it's steaming. Not that it's warm. It's gotta be steaming hot that you can't even really keep your fingers on there because your fingers will burn. That's how hot it gets. And you do the entire countertop and that's a much quicker, safer way to uh, do it. There's another way which you can get a steamer. I can For those of you who are close to Costco, they sell a steamer. I don't know that I just bought one two days ago, but I'm not sure it gets to the temperature that it needs to get to to actually steam the countertops. But again, you get it to a point of heat where it will extract every flavor that's in it. Now, there are many people who have the custom to cover the countertops even after koshering it. That after you kosher it, you still do not place your Pesach food right on top of it. That's where the common meme you'll see online. People will send their whole houses filled with silver foil because they're keeping a separation between what is normally non-kosher for Passover surfaces from their kosher for Passover food. But so silver foil is a very common, but some people like that their kitchen look more pretty on Pesach. So there are many different things that could be used. There are plastic clear coverings, linings that you can put on top. There are marble-like linings that can be placed on top. But the idea is once it's koshered and it's clean, by the way, this is where the whole concept of spring cleaning came from. It came from cleaning for Pesach, where we're cleaning our homes, we're cleaning every single window, every single mirror, every single door, every single corner of the house, every single nook and cranny. It's cleaned up before Pesach and it's in the spring. So I I can imagine what was going on about 50, 60, 70 years ago where one of our Bubbies were cleaning the house and her non-Jewish neighbor says to her, what are you doing? What are you doing in your house? She's like, I'm going to explain to her Pesach cleaning. It's spring cleaning. So that's where the concept perhaps came from. But my dear friends, the overall idea when we talk about Haggallah is to remove what may have been embedded into the walls of either the counters, the pots, the pans, the silverware, it absorbs. And when it absorbs, it can have it can pass over that flavor to the food, whether it be non-kosher to kosher, or meat to milk, or pe- non-paysach to Pesach. My parents had the formica, which is laminate, right? The Formica countertops, and we would kosher it with um with hot water, one of the things that we did—I remember this very clearly—is my father would uh, heat up a big wrought iron wrench, and because the water—here's the thing—a okay, very practical thing—the water when it's on the fire is bubbling. When you take it off the fire, it stops bubbling pretty quickly. So now, by the time I pour it onto the sink, to the sink or the countertop, it may not be bubbling anymore. It may not be at that temperature. So, did I it or not? So, what many people do is they take this hot, burning hot iron, make sure you're holding a proper glove and you don't burn yourself with it. And wherever they'd be pouring the water, they would also have that wrench there. And that way it would be, it would reheat the water on contact and it would be. Now, again, there are easier ways to do this that you don't have to flood your whole kitchen. Okay. There are easier ways to do this. I recommend, my rabbi says it's probably the optimal way to do this, and that is with an iron. You take an iron, make sure that it's hot, steaming hot. You make sure that the surface is wet already, and you just iron on the areas of this of the entire sink. The areas around, uh, 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 the areas not on the sink, sorry, of the countertops. The sinks I do with water, but again, that water goes into the sink and it gets drained through the regular drainage, and I do the area right around the sink and the faucets, everything, all of that gets koshered together. In Costco, by the way, if you go to Costco, very interestingly, the salami does not say kosher for Passover on the actual, the kosher salami, it says kosher, it does not say kosher for Passover on the actual salami wrappings. But on the box, if you move the box, you'll see it says kosher for Passover salami. And therefore, you can have that. I checked that out. But the locks. The locks um does not say it on the box. It doesn't say it on the actual label either. So that's problematic. My friend in New York I spoke to, he says on their boxes, it does say kosher for Passover. Which would indicate that maybe some of the juices or some of the things that they use uh in the rinsing process perhaps were. Now we have to understand that a lot of the chemicals that may be used to maintain these the freshness of the meat or the color could have some derivative of, let's say, corn or something. And corn is kitniot. We don't eat kitniot. So that it's not it could be that it's not it's definitely not not kosher. It's definitely not Chametz, but is it the perfect Pesach uh, perfection in in its processing? So, either way, my dear friends, have a beautiful kosher Passover. Thank you so much.